Hey, this episode is brought to you by Bob's Containers. Bob's Containers is the leader in shipping container housing, modular solutions, and more. It's a no-brainer with Bob's Containers. Turn your backyard into a profitable machine with a quick Airbnb, a backyard office, or something more. We also make shipping container offices, container restrooms, laboratories, anything you can dream of. We'll containerize a solution for you. So check us out at bobscontainers.com or give us a call, 833-265-3269. Thanks. This episode is brought to you by Vineyard Sun. Vineyard Sun is a local... Austin company that makes quality sunglasses made from sustainable materials. You can see their styles on vineyardsun.com or follow them on Instagram at vineyard underscore sun. Welcome back everybody to another edition of the Moon Tower Business Podcast. This is your host Joseph Obell and today I have the pleasure of speaking to Amy Schuster who is the founder of Bandwidth Strategy. Amy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Joseph. So nice to be here. Yeah, thanks for being here. Um, before we get into it, maybe you can just introduce yourself to listeners briefly and kind of talk about your background and, and experiences leading up to when you started Bandwidth Strategy. Sure, I'm happy to. So Amy Schuster, uh, 25-year career in B2B marketing. Um, I help organizations with their sales and marketing needs on a fractional basis. Uh, based here in Chicago, which is ex- currently experiencing lovely weather as you are in Texas, but soon will not be. And then I will be very jealous of your Austin living. Whenever anybody asks me about my background, I I like to take people back to the beginning, which I have a funny anecdote of. When I started marketing, it was um, still in a, a time and place where we were faxing press releases. For me to look back and then jump forward to where we are now, we've just we've come so far. Back in those times, sales and marketing were really in very different parts of an organization, very different parts of physical buildings. Um, we might have been faxing things back and forth to each other at that point as well. Um, and now you come forward um, to this truly digital first marketing experience where so much of sales and marketing is not only now physically together within the same uh, parts of the organization. Um, But a lot of times actually reporting to a a chief revenue officer now, which is just such a different place than than where I started. Um, I'm a two-time founder. I've um, worked as a CMO for two of the largest sales training companies in the world. Um, So I have this super unique perspective of what it's like to be in a small business, what it's like to be in a really big business, um, and what it's like to watch sales and marketing intertwine in the way that they have. So uh, excited to talk about any and all of that today. Yeah. So you have a background in uh, as you've been being a, a in marketing and in a founder as well. So you kind of have a diverse background. What inspired you to actually start bandwidth strategy and and uh, roll with that with these services that you provide? Yeah. So I've for probably the last six years or so, I've I've had my fractional business um even you know while I was you know full time I just doing consulting on the side uh the pandemic like everybody else changed everything for me I was working um in 2019 uh Miller Hyman Group I was their global CMO and we completed our exit to Corn Ferry uh in December 2019 and I had another job lined up that was supposed to start March 2020 So uh, that didn't work out the way that I had planned and so pivoted uh, and went out on my own. It really 
the pandemic changed so much for all of us, but I, I feel like it if it closed some doors, it opened some windows. And um, I've been doing this for three years and really the opportunity to do all the parts that I love about being part of C-suite, being part of marketing, being part of operations organizations, uh, support those companies without necessarily being full-time has just been so much fun for me. That's, that's really how it started in its current iteration over the last three years. Excellent. Um, so maybe just for listeners that that are not familiar with the concept, can you talk about uh, what fractional C-suite solutions and, and consulting is all about? I I think I understand what it is. I used to be general counsel for a public company. I can can see where there could be a need for stuff like that. Yeah. So, but just for people that are not, uh, you know, don't, don't have experience with that, can you kind of talk about what that is and why companies would would want that service? Sure. Uh, so I did a little bit of research not too long ago via Google Search Console. The term fractional CMO in 2020 uh, was searched something like 200 times. Uh, fast forward about 24 months, it's now searched almost 3,000 times. So the growth in this industry of fractional has really exploded. I define it as the following. Um, I, I think a lot of people think it's just consulting. And really, the difference for me is the duration that I'm with an organization and the amount of hours I'm working with them. So in a, in a fractional uh, experience, I'm usually with an organization for a minimum of 15 hours a week. It's usually more like 20. Uh, I'm with them for probably no less than three months, but I really like to make it a minimum of six months in order to really get in and be able to support them. I usually have an email address at that organization so that they can make it feel as if I am part of the team. And I'm privy to a lot of uh, business critical information, right? I understand the financials. I understand the long-term strategy. I'm working with um, individuals on the marketing side, usually sometimes on the sales side as well, on performance issues. Um, I'm helping them create the strategy and the structure for the marketing department going forward. How I see that differing from consulting, because I also do that, and many people do consulting. Um, I don't have an email address at the organization. It's usually a project basis. Um, and I'm there to deliver something very specific in a very short amount of time. Um, so that's truly how I see the difference uh, between a fractional and a consulting experience. And I do it both for um, organizations that need marketing as well as operations, because so much of that sales marketing has overlapped at this point. So you mentioned, you know, uh, in that that scenario, kind of roughly twenty hours, six months ish. Does that range? Is there is there companies that say I want just a little bit, you know, less than that, and then much more? Does it, do you see kind of a range of of people that have a need? I haven't seen less. Um, I do see more. I've had some clients that were. I I have one client that I've been with for um, since the beginning. They were my first client. They're not at a fractional basis anymore, but I've been with them consistently for about three years now. Um, the other organization that I supported in the sales space, I was their fractional CMO for eighteen months. Um, so some orgs are really looking for it as a transitional experience, and some people are looking for. Or I should say, some organizations and and CEOs are looking for it on a more long-term experience. Um, it really does depend on the needs of the organization at the time, how quickly they're looking to exit the organization, um, what their C-suite looks like currently. Um, there are lots of different factors that play in, but I, I don't usually see a fractional gig for much less than six months. I guess I could do it for three. I would say that is the bare minimum. 
um, to take it out of that consulting arrangement and into more of a fractional experience. But I really like to see that minimum at more like six months. Gotcha. Can you give a, a maybe a couple examples without uh, having you know revealing something you're not allowed to? But uh, maybe talk about a couple companies that you've worked with, the type of uh, work specifically that you've done for them, and the value you've provided, and and how they've seen that uh, you know and it become successful. Yeah. Usually I'm brought in in a couple of very specific capacities, right? They've had a CMO um, that has left for whatever reason. Um, and in a lot of organizations, they'll, they will have gone through a number of CMOs and been super frustrated by that fact, right? Why do we keep cycling through CMOs? What's not working? Um, and one of the nice things about coming in as a fractional is I'm not trying to keep my job, right? So I'm able to work with the organization both the other C-suite players, the CEO specifically, and then the teams to diagnose what's going on, right? So I've done that in a number of different organizations and either recommended some changes that would allow this a future CMO to succeed or changes that would say, listen, the reason that the CMO isn't succeeding is because you shouldn't have a CMO and here's why. Um, so that's really one of the, the most uh, frequent use cases I see. In addition to that, I see a lot of sales marketing alignment issues. Um, I'm brought in. I The CEO will say, I just don't understand it. I can't get sales marketing to align. Sales is telling me it's marketing's fault. Marketing is telling me it's sales's fault. Um, so I'll be in, again, as a neutral third party uh, to come in and put some guardrails in place, um, be able to create things like definitions between the organizations, SLAs between those two organizations, um, and get them talking in a way that can seem difficult and foreign to those people that are in it day to day. Um, so that that's a second example. A, a third example of where I've been able to provide a lot of value um, is just understanding that tech stack. Uh, I can't tell you how many organizations buy a bunch of technology, as I'm sure you experienced as uh, the GC signing off on those contracts, um, where they just expect someone with no training and understanding to implement them. Um, so being able to come in, understand the tech stack, explain what's working, what's not working, um, and work with the organization to better uh, integrate that within the organization is is really um, core and fundamental to making sure that sales and marketing are working together um, and that the CEO is getting the reporting that um, she needs. So um, I would say those are three examples of places. Additional work that's that's often brought in is evaluating organizations, evaluating individuals, right? org structures. Um, do we have the right people? Are they on the right seats on the bus? Um, do we need to make some changes? Do we need to bring on additional support? Um, and then just, you know, generalized budgeting too. Where's all the, where are all the dollars going? Do we have the right contractors in place for our ad spend and our SEO spend and all of that? Um, so lots of different places, um, but those are probably a good, uh, a few good examples. Excellent. Um, Earlier, you talked about kind of when you got involved in the industry, how things have changed, you know, sending faxes to what it look like, looks like today with technology and social media, et cetera. Everyone's talking about AI today. Are, are you seeing any of that in, in the work you're doing now in terms of uh, marketing and, and what executives need to look for when, when thinking about implementing something related to AI in, in their, in their uh, C-suite, you know, whatever work they're, they're performing? Sure. I see AI in a couple of different ways um, coming into the business, mostly through content creation um, and supporting and supplementing what's going on in the ad spaces. 
let me pause there and say, I work with B2B organizations from five to $100 million in, in revenue. These are not the big companies that are doing, you know, $50 million worth of ad spend. Um, we've got smaller budgets, smaller opportunities where they can really take advantage of AI, but they're also not in the level of um, usage that a B2C company might might be. So I say all that because B2B tends to be, you know, five to 10 years behind B2C in its performance and understanding of how to get in and use some of these tools. That doesn't mean they can't use AI, but I think the supplementing that you're going to see in AI is really going to impact that B2C space before you see it as much in the B2B space. We will start to implement it too. Um, and it is coming, right? Like, again, I do see it in a lot of the content components. Um, I think a lot of people are scared, um, which I find really interesting and, and um, entertaining. I don't think AI is going to replace copywriting. I think it will supplement copywriting and support. You're still going to need humans um, to be able to figure out how to speak to the audience, um, at least for the next five to 10 years, I would think. Um, but yeah, I, it's coming. I don't think we should be scared of it. I've talked about this on a couple of different podcasts and I think it's, it's exciting to bring it into some of what we do, but I don't think, I don't see it as a replacement, um, of what we do as, as marketers and operators. Gotcha. And so, I mean, you, you say you, you typically uh, work with companies that are B2B. I would assume that marketing strategies are very different in a B2B company than a B2C. Can you kind of talk about how what, what you see in that respect? Yeah, I tell people all the time I sell the invisible. I sell people services and I sell software. So what that means is these are not things that you can check out at Target. They aren't elements that you can put into a cart at the top of a, um, a payment page on your you know favorite website. These are long sales cycles. These are uh, relationship-driven, uh, if not built, opportunities. So it's a really different experience, right? You could be working on a six-month lead, an 18-month lead, a 24-month lead that takes that long to close on a five-figure, six-figure, seven-figure deal. So it's a very different type of sale. It's a slower sale. It's a funnel that takes much longer um, and often has a much smaller opening than a B2C funnel. Um, so it's just a different world when you're in that B2B space. I bet. Yeah, that, that sounds like it would be very different. We're in kind of a, a difficult economy right now and uh, companies are fa facing different challenges. What are some of the challenges that you see your your uh, clients that are facing in, in the C-suite uh, today? Yeah, I saw, I mean, the beginning of the year, a lot of my contacts and network is within the, the startup space, obviously, based on the criteria for ARR that I consider to be my ideal customer profile. Um, SVB hit the, hit the world hard. I mean, I, it was a very quiet March to July um, for me personally within the business and for the organizations that I work with. Um, I'm starting to see more signs of life right now. We're seeing more pickup. We're seeing a stronger Q3 than we saw Q2 for sure. I would say struggles people are dealing with is, is it's pretty universal, right? Private equity capital has, has really been held close to the chest. Um, people are trying to figure out how they plan for a future state when 
the access to that capital is is somewhat in question. Um, from a marketing perspective, again, we we see different lines, and you mentioned them, and, and one of them being AI, understanding and, and making sure that we're taking advantage of those opportunities. What I like to come back to, to all of my clients and where I really push people as much as I can is to stick to the fundamentals, even in these difficult economic times, go back to the things that work. And what we know works time after time after time, even though it's been predicted to end, is, is always SEO right? You want those opportunities to have the 24-7 lead generation when someone has a question that they get to your company, that they get to the answers on your website. And I think people forget about that and they feel like it's a big black box and you can't figure it out. And you can, even as a small business, you can figure it out. But I really like to push SEO even when um, companies are struggling, uh, making sure that you, you have that strong fundamental, you have that strong strategy, as a way to get you through and then supplement some of the paid opportunities where you can ebb and flow. Um, again, from a B2B perspective, you know, we've really found Facebook and Instagram to be very difficult places to go and generate business. I, I mean, the, the tidal wave into LinkedIn, you know, paid perspective over the last 24 months has been ginormous. So um, those things will ebb and flow, right? As, as an organization, add opportunities, paid opportunities, partnership opportunities, figure out where the fundamentals are and stick with those. Very interesting. You said you work with B2B companies typically. Uh, can you talk about the sectors and types of different companies? I know you, you say you work with tech companies uh, as well, but what, what other companies do you typically work with? Yeah, so professional services, right? Anyone who's got... Uh, themselves, right? Or their their brains as something that they need to go out and sell. So it's lawyers, it's doctors, it's sales organizations, anything that you can think of in a professional service capacity where people actually need to create longer-term relationships and longer-term sales cycles. Um, and then software as a service, right? And not software as a service where there is necessarily a, a, a B2C component. I like to always give the example of like box.com. Box.com is a software as a service, but it's really aimed for the most part at the individual or the small business. Um, when we're looking at, at organizations that have, you know, again, those five figure, six figure, seven figure deals from a B2B perspective, they're trying to sell their software um, and their software offerings into, um, into a larger organization for a longer term 12, 24, 36 month sales cycle. Gotcha. And you're based out of Chicago. What geographically, what area do you do you service? Is it just kind of all over? Anywhere. Doesn't matter. Gotcha. Awesome. Well, uh, before we wrap up, is is there anything else you would like to share about uh, the things that you're working on and, and uh, things that uh, bandwidth strategy uh, offers? Yeah, I mean, I, we are, again, supporting in organizations five to 100 million in revenue, B2B, sell the invisible. Um, I usually keep two slots open for founders that are interested in monthly coaching. I don't charge for that. I just consider it a give back. Um, I currently have uh, a waiting list, but if anyone in your organization is interested and they fit that criteria and are looking for someone who um, can coach them in terms of their marketing operations, sales marketing alignment world, um, I always love uh, the opportunity to work with founders and, and to be able to give back. Excellent. So for listeners that want to learn more about you and uh, bandwidth strategy, what's the best way for them to find you online? Uh, bandwidthstrategy.com, Amy, funny spelling, A-I-M-E-E at bandwidthstrategy.com and um, uh, LinkedIn, Amy Schuster. Awesome. Amy, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. 
sharing a little bit about what you're working on and I appreciate your time and wish you the best. Thank you so much. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Vineyard Sun. Vineyard Sun is a local Austin company that makes quality sunglasses made from sustainable materials. You can see their styles on vineyardsun.com or follow them on Instagram at vineyard underscore sun.